Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Why is it so important to realize that God is going to be faithful to Israel? And in fact, the kingdom of God will not be established because Israel needs to be in that right spiritual condition. Why should that be important to you? Well, we learned last week, the kingdom will not come until that becomes a reality. But there's another reason. And what is that reason? As God shows his absolute faithfulness to his old covenant people, it will be an encouragement. It gives us assurance that he will also keep his covenant promises to us. And we also realize that God is going to extend mercy to Israel because he also extended mercy to the nations. And there is no favoritism. What God does, he does to all. He is a God of equality. But if you want to receive the goodness of this God, it's the same for all. Ultimately, you must enter into a covenant, specifically what's called the kingdom covenant, that new covenant, through the King of Kings, Messiah Yeshua. Jesus Christ. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 11. The book of Romans and chapter 11. Now, Paul has said some pretty harsh things about Israel in this previous chapter, but he does not want anyone to get the wrong theological impression. And unfortunately, many people have. There is something that is very popular today, growing within the evangelical movement and really is the predominant view among mainline denominations, and that is a theology that is totally unbiblical. And we're going to see that clearly as we go through this 11th chapter. And the theology I'm talking about is a replacement theology that says that God has cast away the Jewish people and replace them with another group, the church. Well, what we need to see is this. There is always, and hear this carefully, there has always been a remnant of Jewish people who have been part of this congregation of redeemed, that have been faithful to God. We see that, for example, in a very favorite scripture of replacement theologians, John chapter 8. But if you look there, it says many of the Jews believed. And we see in the book of Acts that there were mildreds, meaning ten thousands of Jewish people in Jerusalem who had received the gospel and who were zealous, committed to the truth of God, the commandments of God. So there's always been Jewish people. God cannot, he will not, he has promised not to replace them. That is utterly false. And notice what it says as we begin our study. Paul wants to deal with these individuals who get it wrong. Look at Romans 11 
and verse 1. Therefore I say, now remember the context? He has said some harsh things about the children of Israel. What we would say, the Jewish people. But again, he does not want us to have a wrong view. He says, therefore I say, has God cast away his people? And what is that response? A very familiar one of the Apostle Paul, especially in this book of Romans. When he says, me gineto, which means, let it never be. It is not a possibility God will not replace. God will not cast away his people. We're going to see that in the next study. He is going to affirm and in the third study of this 11th chapter, we're going to see how God will make a reality. His covenant promises to Israel. God is faithful to his covenant. So Paul asks the question, has God cast away his people? And he says, let it be said, for I also am an Israelite from the seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. So he says, just like I pointed out, there's always been Jewish believers. The Jewish people were the first to receive Messiah. And there was a meeting in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15 to see if Gentiles could also be part of what people call today the ecclesia, the church. And obviously the answer was yes, because this Abrahamic covenant, this seed of Abraham has to do with those who are going to receive God's eternal blessings. And when you go back to the Torah, you find that God always intended that Abrahamic covenant to impact humanity, those who would be blessed by the seed, that seed of Abraham, which is a seed of faith, and ultimately it is related to Messiah himself. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, that Yeshua ultimately is that seed of Abraham, the one who mediates the blessing. And Israel's called to proclaim the blessing. And Paul's a good example of that being done. Look now to to verse 2. He says, God has not cast away, hasn't replaced, has not removed, has not cast away his people whom, and notice this next word, whom he has foreknown. A very important concept. Now, I have shared with you that one of the things that God utilizes in everything that he does is his foreknowledge. Everyone knows that God is omniscient. He knows all things. And when did he know all things? Forever. There was never a time that God didn't know everything. And what we see here is that God is free. He's sovereign. He is free to use his foreknowledge in order to make decisions, to act, behave in this world in order to fulfill his purposes. So I do not know why that foreknowledge, God's perfect foreknowledge, is is oftentimes set aside, ignored, or discounted, especially by, by Reformed theologians, Calvinists. 
foreknowledge of God is foundational in the work of God, his covenant promises. So he says, those whom he foreknew, God knows everything. He knows who's going to respond. And those whom God knows has that softness in their heart, God is free to move mightily, and God will do that. God does not desire that anyone should perish, and God can use his free knowledge to bring all whom he has chosen, all who he knows will respond to the gospel to bring them to faith. And we're going to be talking about this being chosen. And another very significant theological word, we're coming to it, is this concept of election. Now he says in the second part of verse 2, or do you not know in Elijah, meaning in Elijah's life. Now Paul, and I love this, when he teaches, when the Holy Spirit inspires him perfectly to give this truth, this revelation, we see so many times that he goes to the scripture in order to confirm, to give that evidence, biblical evidence for what he's revealing. So he says, or do you not know in Elijah, meaning his life, the scripture says, as he pleads with God about Israel. Now, if you know the context, Elijah is grieved. He is pleading with God because of what he sees. When he looks at the situation, he thinks Israel is moving to hopelessness. Israel is moving to spiritual destruction. And he says, read very carefully, the scripture says, as he pleads with God concerning Israel, saying, Lord, now verse 3, Lord, your prophets they have killed, and your, your altars they have destroyed. Also I have been left alone, and they are seeking my life. So Elijah saying, God your prophets, they're being slaughtered. Your places of, of, of worship, these things that, that you have established, they are being torn down. Anything that's of God is being acted against by who? By the people of God. And ultimately, we see that because idolatry is penetrating and dominating the, the children of Israel in the days of Elijah, they are also seeking to put to death this true prophet of God. He says, they are also seeking my life. Now, from Elijah's standpoint, Eliyahu Hanavi, he sees a desperate situation. But God, he has perfect knowledge. And therefore, what does he say in response? Now, verse 4. But what does... And they have a very important word. Now, it's usually translated a divine oracle. It's definite. So the divine oracle, meaning this, God gave a response, a heavenly response, one that comes with the very authority of the living God. And he says, this is, Paul speaking, this is how God responded to Elijah's concern about the spiritual 
uh, desperate situation for Israel. We read verse 4. I have reserved, I have left. It's a word of, of a remnant, a very important word. So he says, I have left for myself 7,000 men whom have not bowed the knee to bow. Now, seven, whether it's seven, seventy, seven hundred, seven thousand, as in this case, whenever we see the number seven, we should think of Kedushah, holiness. And as I've pointed out, holiness is always, always, always connected to the purpose of God. So when he says there's 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to bow, I have 7,000 men who are faithful that I have reserved that have been remaining with me and who are faithful. And what he's saying by this number 7,000, is there literally 7,000? Sure, no problem with that. But there's another message to that number 7,000, and that is this. God's purpose, he has left a remnant, these 7,000, in order that his purposes will be fulfilled. God uh, never has to panic. God is not uh, bewildered by anything. God knows that his purposes and plans are going to be fulfilled. And he knows who is going to participate with him and find blessing and who's going to reject his revelation and find eternal condemnation. God knows this. Now, God does not make anyone disobedient. One is disobedient when they're led away by their own selfish desires, their own purposes rather than the purposes of God. But there's 7,000 here that are faithful to the purposes of God who have not bowed the knee to bow this, this pagan God. Verse 5, therefore, thus also in, and we have two words, the word now and the word for, for season. So we could translate it, thus also is it now in this present season at this time now what time are we speaking about paul's time many people think because there was persecution of believers we do not see a great number of of jewish people compared to the overall population responding now i mentioned in jerusalem ten thousand. But 10,000 is a small number if there's 2 million people living in Jerusalem or that surrounding area. So what we need to understand is proportionally, it was relatively small. And the leadership, the chief priests, the elders, those who were of the Sanhedrin, they were very opposed. And Paul is responding to this, yes, from human eyes it may not look encouraging but god's got everything everything under control verse verse 5 again therefore thus also in this present time a remnant according to the election of grace and then we have a very important word now, before I deal with that important word, and here again, if you're going to have right theology, you have to look at the original language and see what is being said. So we have here election, but notice, 
the election of grace. What does that mean? A election, and that word election simply means a choice. So the choice of grace means this. There is a remnant because they have chosen grace. It's by grace you have been saved. So it's not simply this. This is what false theologians say. God, yes, he's sovereign. We all know this. And therefore, they say God elected. How did God elect? According to what he chose. God just said yes to him. Sorry, not to her. Why did God do that? He's sovereign. He can do what he wants. That is false teaching. We do not see that anywhere in the scripture. And people will say, well, that's predestination. That is a false understanding of predestination. I have taught, and you see this in Ephesians. You see this earlier on in Romans chapter 8. What you see concerning predestination. Predestination is only relevant for those who are in Christ. Remember that. When you look, read carefully Ephesians chapter 1, where it says, it's those who are in Christ that he has predestined. He did not predestine them to be in Christ. He predestined those who were in Christ. The order is very important. And what did he predestine? That they were going to be like him. And how is that going to be worked out? When we receive that glorified, that kingdom body, that new body at the time of the rapture. That it's going to be fulfilled. And this predestination, it simply is that God has predetermined, he has cut already the, the pattern of what we're going to be like. What is that pattern? How his son behaves. How his son thinks. In other words, we who are in Messiah are going to be conformed to be like him. Does that mean we become divine? That would be heresy. No, we don't become divine, but we become a new creation a new man a creation that took place because we said yes to grace not because god says him i've chosen and and her i have not that is not what the scripture is revealing so when we look at this it says an election by grace this remnant which is a kingdom people this remnant it says by the election of grace and then notice the last word in verse 5, gigonin. Now, if you don't know gigonin, it's a Greek word. It comes from the Greek word ginomai. It's in a form that is third person singular, and it's in the perfect tense. Now, this word appears in some very key passages. And gigonin means this, that which was, is, and will be. So it's a state of being that has eternal implications. Now, it began sometime in the past, but it's going to have eternal consequences in this case. And what's that? This choice that comes through grace, God set it forth. As we know from before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. So even before creation, God in his perfect foreknowledge saw sin, saw the death that would come to his creation, and God, he set in motion grace. And we see grace throughout, throughout the, the Old Testament, that word chesed. And it's through grace, when we say yes to grace, we find ourselves being chosen by God. And that election has implications 
we for example how does it work in my life very simple god knew that i was going to say yes to the gospel but for me specifically in the past in 1982 i became a believer so it's in the past that faith is still here that grace i'm still holding on to it's entered into me because of this new covenant and it will continue to work and have eternal kingdom implications to bring about god's will ultimately in my life so we read here a remnant according to the election of grace it has happened it is happening and it will happen this outcome of the election of grace verse 6. now verse 6 simply says this but if by grace it is no longer from works that's true this election didn't come about because of works that we worked well enough that we did enough in order to be chosen by god it's never we don't see it in the old testament that it's by works that you've been saved nowhere is that taught in the scripture it is false now people there were those in the new testament that believed that they believed something that was never taught in the scripture so by grace and it's no longer therefore by works since grace would no longer be grace what he means is if it's by works and god's choice us being a covenant a kingdom people the bible says it's by grace if it's by works then it would no longer be by grace and the scripture would be incorrect but if by works then it would no longer be by grace since the work would no longer be work meaning this if it's by grace it can't be by works so works do not play a role in god's selection what do we know the torah teaches it is by faith that one is righteous messiah's righteousness is given to us and it's through god's grace and the the manifestation of god's grace the means of god's grace is that gospel message what messiah did he died was buried he rose from the dead you believe that you are recipient of god's eternal grace now look at verse 7. therefore what israel israel did not do what israel this one who was seeking but did not obtain so israel was seeking but it did not obtain why did it not obtain well before he tells us he says but the elect he obtained the elect obtained and the rest what happened they were hardened now we see that principle god now what did we learn last week we learned that that it's not a lack of knowledge because this revelation has gone to the ends of the earth this revelation of the gospel has gone out israel through the prophets through even moses through the book of psalms israel should know about god's grace how one finds the blessings of god not by works but by faith this is what the torah taught so this has all gone out and what happened israel did not obtain what did they do they rejected god's god's plan they said no and when we say no to the truth of god he's teaching a spiritual principle 
it's true always god gives us his truth someone says no what happens they become spiritually hard dull insensitive and the more someone rejects god's revelation the harder and harder they become the more stubborn they become towards the things of god so we find israel did not obtain this but the elect he obtained and the rest he hardened and this is something that the scripture testifies to look now to verse 8 just as it has been written written he gave to them who did god god gave to them a spirit of slumber eyes that did not see and ears that did not hear until this day so what the scripture is saying is this when you encounter the truth of god and inwardly you know it's of god you are convicted god knows this he has perfect discernment so when he sees someone who says yes i know this is the truth of god but i reject it what happens is at that time you are going to receive it's a spiritual law you are going to find yourself becoming dull and sensitive that spirit of slumber and you are going to become more and more insensitive and you're moving towards what the bible calls reprobate where you become so dull and insensitized to the moving of god his revelation that that you become one that is is eternally rejected by god this is what this concept of retrobate means so eyes that didn't see ears that did not hear until this day verse 9 now the scripture just confirms that as david says let their tables what tables tables of idolatry let their tables become a snare and their their let their tables become a snare and for a trap also for an offense or a stumbling block so he says their idolatry is going to be a snare and a trap for them and notice how this verse ends something very important for an offense it's offensive to god that word can have two meanings an offense or a stumbling block they are going to be offended by the truth and they're going to stumble over it and all of this and look at the last part of verse 9 where it says for most people ignore this this is huge now it's a word it's a word let's get it right antipodoma what's antipodoma it's a recompense what does that mean this is the word that confirms the spiritual law where it says you say no to the truth of god what's going to happen there's an outcome there's a recompense god moves there's a response from god and what is that you are going to find yourself being hardened that's what he says and therefore their eyes were darkened that they did not see and their backs their backs were what their backs forever were bent down meaning humiliated that's what the scripture says about those who reject the truth of god well i'm out of time until next week and we find ourselves being taught more concerning this chapter of the book of romans well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.